You're really, really kind. You're really kind. Funny story, we used to do um, uh, like a welcome or connection or uh, what is the vineyard kind of nights, and we hired this venue that was, is a coffee shop, but was a pub. Um, and um, we were, uh, it was a tough time in our church, and I remember saying to, to, to Alan, uh, we were about to do this night, and I remember saying to Alan, uh, uh, I, it's just been tough. And um, I'd heard about this church where they give you a standing ovation. They give the pastors a standing ovation. I was like, man, I'd love one of those. So one of those days. <laughs> and uh, so I'm teaching away, you know, and, uh, you know, there's a handful of people there and doing what you do and the welcome night and all that stuff. I'm going through it for about the thousandth time, you know. And uh, this guy wanders in off the street. And he is steaming. I mean, he is loaded, right? And he's wandering in because he's old enough to remember when it was a pub. And so he thinks it's still a pub. And we're in there talking about Jesus, and he just sits down, and somebody gives him a cup of tea because they don't really know what else to do. So in Ireland, you give people tea when you don't know what else to do. And like I'm going for it and giving it my best, and right in the middle of it, all of a sudden, this highly intoxicated man gets to his feet and gives me a standing ovation. And I was like, yes. And we go, ask and ye shall receive. It is an incredible privilege and honor to be with you. Uh, are you having a good time? Yeah. yeah. It's been so good. This event has been long dreamed of and, and long prayed for. Um, and so we're just so excited. And today has been brilliant. Tomorrow is going to be, uh, I'm, I'm in faith that it's going to be even, even better. So complete honor to be with you. I want to talk to you about a few things. Um, it's just for Harmony and I, it's an immense privilege to, to get to serve and, and, and lead uh, on this island and to lead such a fantastic group of pastors and leaders as you guys are. And uh, I just want to Maybe do some family business a little bit and, and talk to you from Luke chapter 12, verses 35 to 48. There'll be slides and everything up and, and all that. Um, this is a talk that has impacted us in Belfast. And when I originally wrote it, I knew it was not just for Belfast, but it was for this, this time here. It was for us. It was something bigger than just a local community. It's a, it's a really challenging passage and I felt that it was for us as a movement, as a tribe in Ireland, especially for those of us who find ourselves leading in various different ways. And when I've prayed about and, and thought about us as a movement in Ireland, I, I am just stunned and blessed by all that the Lord has done in the last 25 years. And uh, I just look to the future uh, and dream for more, as I know uh, many of you do too. I, I feel like we are at a moment that we need to recognize and respond to in our history. I think that moment is partly about remembering the goodness of God to us and all that he has done and honoring where we've come from. And tomorrow in the second morning session, um, I'm going to interview Stephen, Cindy Nicholson and Sean and Debbie Byrne, and they are going to tell the story of how it happened. And I would encourage you not to miss that. You need to know where you came from to carry a legacy into the future. And so we're going to tell a story about it. And it's, it is a beautiful, beautiful story. So don't miss that. So I think it's partly about remembering and honoring. But another big part of it is recognize that God has not only been good to us, he's given us something. He's given us, uh, he's built a legacy over the last 25 years that we are now stewarding. And now, again, it's been said a lot this, this weekend, but I need to say it again. By no means are we the best movement or the only movement or tribe or denomination that God is using and building legacy with on this island. We are one of many. In fact, a number of them have been texting me uh, all day today just saying they're praying for you, they're praying for us, they're celebrating with us. One of the new things God is doing on this island is he's uniting the churches together. When I first showed up here in 2001, let's just say that was challenging. <laughs> Working together as churches. There's a new thing happening. He's knitting us together 
as the body of Christ. And it's a real privilege to have Heather Morris here. Heather, would you stand? Heather is a significant uh, leader, and there she is. Heather's a significant leader in the Methodist Church, and um, I just want to pray for you really quick. Is that okay? All right, so it only works if you stand up. I'm sorry. Um, so if you'll stand up, stretch out a hand. We're going to pray for Heather. We're going to pray for the Methodist Church in Ireland. Lord, we celebrate their powerful, incredible legacy. We celebrate it. Look, we are in many ways coasting on it, and we are just saying yes and amen to the Methodist Church in Ireland. And we pray for Heather and for her assignments. Her assignments are changing, and Lord, you're giving her more and more and more. So we pray for fresh power, fresh anointing, fresh fire for her, for her leadership teams, for all of the pastors and leaders, Lord. We pray for blessing. We pray for favor. We pray for increase. And Lord, we say, let your kingdom come in the Methodist church in Ireland. And we say yes and amen to them. Amen. So as Andy said, um, you know, we, we do need to be humble and we do need to honor our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, but we also, we, we are a vegetable, I hear. <laughs> and we're a good one. And we should be confident in what God has given us. And we should be courageous as we move forward and as we steward the very real and precious legacy he's given the vineyard. It's a legacy of encountering his presence it's a legacy of worship, a legacy of healing and deliverance and compassion to the poor. It's a legacy of serving our cities with creativity and passion. There's a legacy of evangelism. If you just think about over the last 25 years, how many people have come to faith in vineyard churches? It's a legacy of church planting. Churches have been planted and established. And then hundreds and even thousands of us have been empowered to live out the kingdom in homes, in schools, in businesses, in hospitals, in streets, offices, and spaces that we occupy every single day. We have an incredible legacy that we're stewarding. And in Luke chapter 12, just before the passage we're going to look at, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he's telling them to seek his kingdom first and all these things will be added unto them. And he's telling them, don't worry, actually give everything up for the kingdom of God because you, God loves you, you'll be cared for. And then he hits verse 32, which I think is going to fly up on the screen. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. You have the kingdom. We have the kingdom. Be confident. Be courageous. And then in verses 35 to 48 that we're going to jump into in a second, he's telling them, you've got the kingdom. Now here's a posture. Here's how you live. Here's the posture you're going to need to steward the legacy of the kingdom. Here's the posture you're going to need to live out the call that I'm placing on your life. And at this moment in our history, I certainly want us to celebrate, and I want us to be together, but I want to focus on the posture that we need and are going to need to steward this legacy for the next 25 years and beyond as we dream about what God might do with our little flock. We live differently and we lead differently when we know we're stewarding a legacy. We go from how do I survive and how do I make it to how can I maximize what I've been given so that many more coming after me can receive great blessing. It's really, really different. Let's let the words of Jesus to us refresh us and reshape us and our priorities and give us renewed vision as we look to live in his presence and in his kingdom. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about what is your posture if you look at verse 35 of chapter 12, it says this, Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. All right, let's talk about that. Be dressed and ready for service, keep your lamps burning. You could also translate that first bit, you know, be dressed and ready for service. You could translate that, gird your loins. 
Gird your loins. In the ancient Near East, in Jesus' time, there were longer garments that you would tie up to free your legs if you need to move quickly or run or, or do something like that. And the tenses of the verbs tell us that it's constant action. Be constantly ready for action. Be alert. Be ready. And that phrase, you know, he uses, gird your loins, that would have been instantly recognizable to his disciples. Why? Because it was the same language God uses with Moses and Aaron in Egypt about how the Israelites are to eat the Passover meal. You can see here from Exodus chapter 12, verse 11, they're to gird their loins. Right before God led the nation of Israel out of slavery at the first Passover, this is how they're supposed to be. Be ready. Watch for your God to do something. Watch for deliverance. And you're going to need to do something. You're going to need to get up and leave Egypt. You're going to have to respond. Something is imminent. And what you've prayed for as a nation is about to happen. What if what we have prayed for for our nation is about to happen? Jesus uses the same words. Be constantly ready for God to move. And that's what he did. As he went about in the Gospels, announcing the kingdom and moving in power and deliverance. Repent and believe for the kingdom of the heavens is right here, right now, at hand, in me. And then he would demonstrate it. And deliverance, people would be set free. I believe that Jesus is still moving in power today. Well, what are the disciples supposed to be ready for? Well, in Luke's gospel, Jesus has been welcoming all who want him and all who want his kingdom. He's coming as a servant in humility, and only those with eyes to see and ears to hear respond. And as Jesus confronts sin and systemic evil with his gracious and beautiful kingdom rule and reign, many reject him and some run to him. But in Luke's gospel, he also gives us hints where where he shows us Jesus giving hints and clues that even though he's headed towards a cross, dying so that we might live, he will be raised and he will be glorified and he will return. And this time, not in obscurity as a humble servant, but in glory at the head of the angels as king and judge of the living and the dead. And we, as his people, we still long for that day. There's something in your heart that longs for your true home when Jesus comes. And right now, as we've heard earlier today, we live between the times. We live between the ages, this age and the age to come. And we're trusting in his presence with us by the Holy Spirit. We're busy living out his mission. We're busy participating in his kingdom rule and expansion. We're working for the renewal of the world and its ways. We're inviting others into his kingdom life, but we're also suffering with him. And we're longing for the full consummation of his kingdom, which will have no end. And at that time, all wrongs were made right. And all tears will be wiped away. And we shall taste and see the goodness of the Lord fully, without shame or sin or barrier or end. And that's one part of what we're to be dressed and ready for. That's just one part of it. The master's return in glory. But another part of being ready for the master's return is to watch where he's already at work right now and to be dressed and ready for service. He is always at work and our job is to respond to him now and all he's doing in and through us and in and through our churches. That's how the first, his first followers The apostles, that's how they did it. If you just read the book of Acts, the early church longed for the return of Jesus. They expected him to come back at any moment, but they were at the same time dressed and ready for service and prepared uh, that the Spirit of God would guide them and empower them for anything, anytime, anywhere. Be that preach the gospel, heal the sick, speak truth to power, plant churches. Whatever the Spirit of God was doing, they were ready. Ready for his return, but also ready for the Spirit of God to empower them and bless them and to dwell with them. So keep your lamps burning. Be ready to move, even in darkness. It's like servants waiting for a master who is out at a wedding banquet. Be dressed and ready for service. Keep your lamps burning like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door 
for him. Weddings could last days or up to a week even in Jesus' time, so servants wouldn't know when the master was coming back. They just had to be ready. They had to be watching and waiting for his return. Even in the late watches of the night, they are to be ready. Are we ready? Are we preparing to be ready in a new way as we steward the legacy of the last 25 years? What's our posture? Are we waiting for his kingdom to break in imminently? Steve talked about watch for the kingdom to break in. Expect for it to break in. Are we watching for it? Are we expecting for it? Are we dressed and ready for service? Ready to go anytime, any place, anywhere? Are we watching for his kingdom to break in in our lives? Danielle talked a lot about how we see ourselves and our inner life. Are we watching for God to be, are we, act, are we giving any space for that? Are we watching for him to break in in our streets, in our schools, in our towns? Every village, every city, every valley and Dun from Donegal to Cork. Are we ready for service? Are we ready for the tasks and callings that he has given us? Are we focused and aware of his priorities? Or are we focused on our own priorities and feel and expect that he should be aware of ours and working for us? And what if part of this weekend was getting into a ready posture? A posture fit to carry the legacy he's given us into the next decades ready for anything and everything that he has for us. In January of 2001, um, Harmony and I were preparing to come to Belfast to do this internship that was only supposed to last for a year. And you're still stuck with us. And I remember uh, being in my, we had, uh, we were spending the last couple of days with my parents and um, I was in my bedroom, my childhood bedroom, and I was packing. And no one else was in the room with me. I was packing up. And you know, you're, you know, men can pack in like 10 minutes, you know. So you're just I'm going for like a year and I'm just throwing stuff in a bag, you know. Just... And I, I had this wave of terror come over me. Like, what are you thinking? You don't even know anything about Ireland. It, what are you doing? Like, like I'm, I'm newly married. We're moving over. Like, this is crazy. And I was terrified. And I remember getting down on my knees, shaking. And I was just like, I, if, if I had to get on the plane in that moment, I couldn't have done it. I wouldn't have been able to do it. So I didn't know what else to do. So I just prayed. And I would love to tell you that Jesus came in the room and said, one day you're going to be standing in front of these amazing people at this thing called legacy, and it's going to be great. But that isn't what happened. It's not what happened. Actually, I didn't feel the Lord's presence at all. What I did feel was this sense that if I didn't get on that plane, I would regret it for the rest of my life. And that's how I feel again today, that there is so much coming in the next years, that if we don't steward this, we will regret it for the rest of our lives. Look at, look at verse 37 with me. We need to look at something that's really unexpected, actually. Jesus says this, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. And I always uh, it makes a, lot, makes a lot of sense, right? I always read that verse as like, well, yeah, like when the boss turns up, look busy, you know, like that's a good plan. You know, it was great. John Wright's kind of my boss, I guess. And, you know, it's great that you were all here and we looked busy, right? He was good. So just kidding. You know, but that's how, how I, that's how I always read it. Like we got to be busy for Jesus so you won't be caught out. You know, I would expect, you know, if I was a servant watching for the, the boss or the master to return, 
It's so that I can serve him. That's the point, right? Like I can make sure he or she is received into their own, their home, not my home, their home, and given whatever they require. That's my job. But listen to what he says to them. It'll be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth. He will dress himself to serve and will have them recline at table and will come and wait on them. Jesus tells his followers and tells us that he will serve them. The roles will be reversed. He will serve those who have watched and waited and are faithful. It's a promise to us about the end of all things. When Jesus returns in glory and judgment, those who are faithful will be served. They will be with him as a, and they will be, as a host serves his friends. It's a promise for the end of all things. It's also a promise for right now. That as we are faithful to the master and his priorities and his assignments, he will sustain, he will empower, he will rebuild, he will forgive, he will form, encourage, favor, and bless us with his presence and his life. Right here, right now. Are you prepared for and investing in the blessing of his presence now for you? Not for others. You know, Danielle talked about it gets really weird as a leader when you're in Jesus' presence for other people. Are you doing this for you? Are you regularly encountering the mercy of the master for you? What if part of what he wants in this season is to sit and eat with you and serve you? before you lead, before you work? What if he wants to serve you? It's a picture of the end of all things. It's a picture of the kingdom life now. It's a picture of blessing now and blessing beyond blessing at the end of all things. But as Danielle said so well this afternoon, it's a posture that's cultivated. And it's essential if we're to steward the life and responsibilities and legacy that he has given us. Investing in deep friendship with him. He doesn't just want you to work for him. He wants to serve you. Are there rhythms in your life that keep you in the fire of Christ's presence? goes on to say that the hour is unknown. If you knew when the thief was coming, you could prepare, but you don't. So be constantly living a life that invests. Constantly be ready. Constantly live a life that invests in Jesus and his presence now so you will be ready. Ready to serve the master and ready to be served by the master. You know, these conferences, they're great. And, you know, we, and I love it. Like, let's, let's go for it. Let's get whipped up and let's, let's go for Ireland. Let's take that hill. Let's challenge one another. I love that. That's great. I'm not criticizing that. But Jesus wants to serve his servants before they take that hill. He wants that rhythm in your life so you can take the hill. He wants to bless you. He wants to serve you. He wants to encounter you. He wants to shape and form you. He wants to give you his resources, his strength, and his power. He wants your families, and he wants your churches carrying that, knowing how to access that for themselves and then for the sake of the world. John chapter 15 Verse 5, I'm the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. It's his life. It's his presence overflowing that impacts the world, that brings fruit, your fruitfulness to your life. The best thing that you can do for Ireland the best thing you can do for your city, for your church, for your family, is to devote yourself to Jesus' presence, to allow him to shape you, inform you, to heal you, and then empower you to have an impact in his name. And if we're going to carry the legacy that we've been given, we must learn to receive from Jesus. 
We can't just think about the things we're called to, the impact we dream about having, the family, the marriage we want to have, the blessing that we want to be in our work, in our friendships, in our neighborhoods, in our city, in our village, in our town, without developing the rhythms, the disciplines, the posture, the trajectory, the secret history with Jesus that is required to get us there and to sustain those things. Do you have those in place? When is the last time you were in his presence and allowed the master to wait on you? Make that the foundation of your life and we will steward legacy well. Jesus goes on, well, actually, Peter, of course, Peter, always Peter, right, interrupts a little bit. And he says, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? Great question. Jesus doesn't answer it. He answers it with a question back. I just think this is a really interesting question because he just interrupts Jesus' full flow. Have you ever had this moment where you feel like the Lord's saying, do this, or you're called to the, or, and you just, that question, well, is it, is it me? Is it really me? Is this really for us to do? Really? Did you really say? Did, is, and Peter's like, is, it, is this for us? Is this for them? It's like a, Jesus is going to say to him, it's for everybody. Get on board. Just had a sense that for some of us tonight, like don't let that question creep up. Don't let that question that's like, can I excuse this away? Can this apply to somebody else but not me? Don't let that question creep up. So Jesus does. He answers him a question right back. The Lord answered, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing, doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. So he returns to the servant for whom it will go well. This time, this servant has been elevated and made responsible for other servants, and he's found by the master doing what he or she was charged to do. Faithful when no one was watching. In the first parable, it was about posture. You know, the faithful servant is to be ready for the return of the master. Jesus is now expanding it to action actually doing what the master would do and has charged them to do. The servant is serving the other servants of the household, and Jesus is saying, don't just be ready for my return. Serve in the assignment I've given you. And then, of course, verse 43, it will go well. It will be good. In the original Greek, it's they are blessed or blessed is this servant. And yes, it's the same word as in the Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Plain. Uh, it means this is the wise and good life, the blessed life. Extremely happy is the servant who the master finds waiting for him and fulfilling the assignment given. Extremely happy is the vineyard leader who is waiting on the master and fulfilling the assignment that they have been given. The blessed life is when we recognize that we are stewards, stewarding the master's resources and priorities, preparing and intending to do that and then receiving more. And the reward is more. I tell you the truth, he or she will be put in charge of all his possessions. The reward is more. The master rewards faithfulness with way more authority and favor and access and blessing and fruitfulness. Not just a job to do, but a share in the master's power, authority, and wealth. And my sense is many of us as leaders and pastors feel like somehow we're losing. Or we belong actually in the unfaithful category. And we just feel like for lots of us, it's been hard, it's been slow, it's been painful. And in our heart of hearts, we would just expect that if the master returned today, we wouldn't be blessed. We actually feel like we'd be a disappointment. 
But in reality, you've been faithful and you're not a disappointment. So don't give up before it's over. And this conference, this moment is a time where we need to lift our heads and instead of expecting rejection, we need to step into favor and renewed calling and anointing to carry on in strength and in power. The master tonight wants to give you more for the next leg of the journey. What if the only person who thinks that they are failing is you? What if the news is actually good? And what if you have been faithful and more is coming? If you're a senior pastor in the vineyard, why don't you just stand right now? Why don't you just stretch out a hand? Just proclaim over you, over your churches, over your church plants. Then the news is really, really good. It's good news. You've been faithful in big ways, small ways, hidden ways. News is good. News is very good for you. There's new levels of power for a new season. And the master wants to reward faithfulness. So come Holy Spirit. I just see, I just see the Holy Spirit. He's putting, he's putting new things in your locker. Like you're going to go back to your churches and you have more in the locker. So receive it. In Jesus' name, fresh fire on your preaching, fresh vision for your community, fresh power for healing and deliverance and the prophetic, renewed gathering anointings, fresh favor in your city, more leaders gathering to you. Come Holy Spirit and give them the more. Give them the more. The news is very, very good. You have been faithful. See the Holy Spirit, he's just taken out a gigantic eraser and he's erasing the, the mistakes that you think you've made. And he's erasing scars from painful things that have happened in your story. Lord, we, these pastors, they need everything you have to give Bless them, Lord. Bless them in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. You guys can just take your seats. You know, part of receiving more is actually recognizing it and receiving it. You know, the servant in the parable, they have to step in and receive it, and then they have to begin to walk in it, and that is really challenging. No matter who you are tonight, You've been faithful, and there's more coming, and you have to embrace it. Even as you're promoted, the servant receives promotion, but then they have to start doing on a different level. So as God's dishing out his promotions tonight, not just to senior pastors, but to everyone here, it can't be half-hearted. It has to be humble, but it has to be a full-throated yes. As more comes, as greater gifting and greater anointing to carry a legacy into a new future comes, it's got to be a full-throated yes. It's got to be, I will do this. It's the continuation of being faithful. Faithfulness got us here. And we can't stop now. And we can't start to coast. My sense is that part of stewarding this legacy is to own it with confidence in a new way. If I'm honest, over the past 25 years, I've been around for 18 or so of those. It's been too easy 
to feel in Ireland like we're on the outposts, like we're far from the rest of the movement, like we're just out pioneering out here somewhere in the wilds of Ireland, a bit forgotten, little old us here in Ireland. And we go to the NLC and they, you know, they forget to put the Republic of Ireland on the map. <laughs> and we're boo-hooing and we feel bad about ourselves. And the blood starts boiling. <laughs> or you try and pay in sterling issued by Danske Bank in England. When you're trying to buy a, trying to buy a book or a CD and they look at you like you're crazy. You have somebody ask you, is there a border in, you know? Like, you know, and, and then we get all worked up about this stuff. <clears throat> Little old us here in Ireland just getting by. It can just be too easy to be living in a narrative of lack. And we don't have what others have. We're ignored. We're misunderstood. Well, what I think is part of this moment that we're in right now, this weekend, this gathering, is what I think it's a, one of the things it's about is understanding that we are no longer just starting out. We have a legacy, and we need to carry it with confidence, and we don't need to, and we can't afford to wait for anyone else to take it up on our behalf. We get to do it right here, right now, in these days, and many have helped us, and many will continue to help us, and we have many friends around the world, and we have a beautiful UK and Ireland movement. But we are being invited to leave adolescence and move into adulthood. We're being invited into a new level of faithfulness. Ten years ago, uh, I shouldn't have wrote this. Um, ten years ago, my dad died suddenly. He was 65. He had just had one of those treadmill tests that tell you you're doing awesome for a dude your age. And he just was at a meeting in town with my mom, and he just dropped dead. Heart gone. And it was the phone call in the middle of the night, get on a plane, get over home. And then 18 months later, my older sister died from cancer. And that stuff threw me into a world I was not prepared for. And I just remember sitting there and, and like, I just realizing I had to help my mom with her affairs and I had to help my family and just quickly realizing that there was nobody else gonna adult for me. It was my time and my siblings and I, we just had to deliver for our family in a way that we had never had to do before because others did it for us. And for us right here, right now, in this land as leaders, it's a similar moment without the grief. And thank God for that. We are being invited not just to focus on our own little things or big things. We have the chance to pave the way for those coming along with us and those coming after us and stewarding what we have received. The last 25 years have happened not because we were cool, or the smartest, or the best, or had loads of money, or social capital that happened. We have, what we, are, we have what we are stewarding as a movement simply because somehow, some way, we all and many others who couldn't be here tonight showed up and kept showing up and kept saying yes to Jesus in joy and suffering, in thick and in thin, 
out of love and fidelity to him and his kingdom in ways big and small. And now there is more to steward, not less. So let's give our yes all over again and let's be ready to receive renewed anointing. Let's prepare for the more that is coming for us as Jesus continues to move in our lives, in our churches, and in our communities. And Andy talked about church planting. And there's just lots of places that actually are crying out for people like us. They're crying out for the people of God. And what if over the next 25 years, we planted as many as we could? There are many other tribes and groups and denominations working and planting, and we're going to need all of us. And it's wonderful. But I'm talking to you tonight. And what if we took responsibility for us and stewarded our legacy in such a way that many are sent into every county on this island to plant churches, to announce and demonstrate the kingdom, to gather people around Jesus? What if it's for us to do? What if we came back? We're going to keep coming back every year, but what if in 25 years from now, that map was full? with local expressions of faith that are serving and reaching their communities with the presence and power and love and good news of Jesus. Big ones, small ones, crazy innovative ones, more traditional. What if it was just all full? We're coming in for landing, don't worry. Verse 45, you need to talk about the unfaithful servant, at least for a little bit. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming. And then he begins to beat the, the men's servants and the maid servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. That servant who knows his master's will and does not get ready or does not do what his master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. That puts a dampener on the conference, doesn't it? <laughs> so he contrasts the blessed servant with the one who ignores assignment and completely pleases themselves while abusing others under their power and care. It's total knowledge of what the master wants and what the master expects, and even that he is coming back, yet still uses the position not to serve but to exploit. That will be dealt with harshly because it's a total betrayal. It says it'll be cut in two or cut in pieces and be totally rejected by the master. Jesus will return with authority and judgment and is expecting faithfulness. And that might feel, you know, over the top. But remember, in the original context, Judas the betrayer is listening to Jesus and he will end up rejected and cut in two. If we do not do his will out of ignorance, it seems the punishment is less if we do not do his will, yet know him and know we should do his will, it's worse. Our actions and our attitudes and the stewardship of our lives and callings and assignments matter now. And they matter forever. And the master invites us to consider that. And to walk the paths of blessing and fidelity with joy and seriousness. What you do for the kingdom in these lands matters. The big crazy stuff and the little unseen stuff. Stay faithful to your assignments as servants of the master wherever he 
has placed you. If we stay faithful, we'll steward legacy. I want to mention one thing here. I've been getting a lot of prophetic words from people outside our movement about Ireland and some inside our movement. And um, there's a common theme. And one word I received a couple of weeks ago, I think it's, it's for us to deeply consider. And it's, an, it's a faithfulness issue. This is a guy who is a pretty crazy dreamer. In other words, he meets people in his dreams. And then the Lord speaks to him for them. And, you know, if you're uncomfortable with that, well, there's a lot of dreams and crazy things in the Bible, so just get over it, I guess. I don't know, but <laughs> this is a guy, and I, I've weighed and tested his stuff. So I feel comfortable with it. And it's a special gift, and I honor him. Um, he's a friend to us. So anyway, he's been dreaming about you. And the, th the, the thrust of the word is a second call to prayer. There's a call to prayer going out. And it's linked to pioneering catalytic church planting. And a call to deep intercessory prayer by us is going to unlock catalytic church planting on this island. And I know that there's great stirrings to begin to pray as a movement, and you'll hear lots more propaganda about that as we consider what if we got together monthly, or what if we just, what if we started to take this seriously? What if we began to pray? And hear my heart, like, I know that we can't just pray. Like, do the thing where we pray for God to reach our neighbors, when we just got to go reach our neighbors. Like, you know, I, 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 I'm there. I'm all in. But the people of God have always prayed Always. And we're being called to prayer. And I don't know about you, but the dreams in my heart are going to require much prayer and intercession. So Jesus released the intercessors. Release the intercessory gift in all of us. Go to Cindy Nicholson's seminar tomorrow. It'll be, she's doing it twice. There's loads of opportunity. Go to her seminar she has been interceding for these lands for 25 years and much, much more. Learn from a master intercessor tomorrow. That's your next assignment, right? Go. What if we prayed? What if we took this seriously? What if we were faithful to a second call of prayer? Last bit I want to talk about. What about me? What about me? The last bit of verse 48 should absolutely terrify you. From everyone who's been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. No matter who you are, how you feel tonight, we all have been given much. We've all been entrusted with much. If you are following Jesus, that means you encountered someone's legacy. Someone told you about Jesus. Somebody paid the bills so you could hear about Jesus. Somebody somewhere sacrificed. And you encountered their legacy. And it swept you into the greatest legacy of all, the story of redemption, hope, and healing through King Jesus. We've all been given much and been entrusted with much. So what if we certainly celebrated his goodness to us, but also definitely evaluated our priorities in light of this passage and our readiness for what God might want to do and our stewardship of all he has given us. What if each of us asked, what have I been entrusted with personally? And what am I doing about that? What is my assignment to steward from Jesus? Do we even know it? If we don't, that is mission critical to find out what that is. Many of us do know it, but we just haven't been able or haven't wanted to give a wholehearted, full-throated yes. Well, what if we did? What if today, what if tonight was the night that we gave our wholehearted yes to whatever he was asking of us? Is there something that you know Jesus is asking of you? Something in your family, something in your marriage, 
something in your churches, something in your city, something on this island, something even beyond this island. And what if this was the weekend where that changed? Where you went from ignoring it to embracing it? I want to end with this. A long time ago, I was on my first visit to Ireland. I was part of the Evanston Vineyard. And I had this crazy conversation with Steve saying, somehow, someway, I think I'm called to Ireland, even though I was just a young kid. I didn't even know what that meant. I thought Ireland meant castles, Bono, and Guinness. <laughs> That's what I thought. And Steve just said, well, in about three months, I'm going on a ministry trip. Why don't you come with me? So I did. And ended up uh, on this ministry trip with Steve and Cindy. Their they brought their family even on that one. And we ended up sitting in Sean and Debbie's front room. There was a group from Dublin Vineyard, and I think there was some other pastors of some other churches in this city. And everything, everybody was finding it tough. And you'll hear more about the early days tomorrow. Everybody was finding it tough. It was hard going. And I was just a young kid. Like, again, I was dreaming about one day being in Ireland. Maybe God would be calling me to this place. And I didn't even know what that would mean. I didn't even know what that would cost. And as we were talking, it was just kind of heavy. And Steve said, hey, Sean, go get the letter. And Sean got up and he went to get this letter. And it was a letter that Sean's brother, Eamon, who, by the way, may be the funniest man in Ireland. <laughs> and I think Eamon was the one who actually read the letter out loud. And it was a very short letter. It was a letter that Eamon wrote to Sean, two brothers. Eamon was at Bible school somewhere outside of Ireland, and Sean was at Fuller Seminary in America. So they weren't in Ireland, but Irish brothers who loved Jesus and loved their nation. And so this is a letter Eamon wrote to Sean. And um, I'm going to read it to you. It's really short. Ever since I got here, I can't stop thinking and praying about Ireland. That God would save Ireland. I know that that is in Jesus' heart for our people. And I want to go after it with everything I've got. That Ireland would be saved. I name it, I claim it, I pray it, I dream it. Jesus, save Ireland. And that letter gripped my heart. And it still grips my heart. It's actually like the Holy Spirit's falling on the room right now. And right then and there, I decided that I had to be a part of this. And I would do whatever I had to do. That I would give my full-throated yes to what he was doing on this island. If I could be used, I just said, I'm in. I'll pay the cost. I will stay dressed and ready for service. And long after the romance of life on this island has faded, I'm still here. And I'm not asking for a medal. I'm not asking for my name in the paper or anything like that. But along with you, I'm still believing. And along with the rest of you, I'm, I'm in faith that our best days are ahead. 
and that this island belongs to the master. And I believe he is present and powerful and calling it back into life. And I believe that we have a part to play. And many years after that letter was written, look where we are. We've seen a lot of those passionate prayers answered, but there is a long way to go. What if we said yes? What if we said yes for the first time? What if we said yes all over again? What if we risked and prayed and worked and loved and served and paid the cost and stayed faithful to our assignments, whatever they may be? There's more for us to do. There's more for us to receive. This summer, I was back in America. I was back in my home. And to be completely honest with you, I was a little grumpy. Actually, I was a lot grumpy. I can't remember if it was this morning or yesterday. Debbie Wright was talking about um, hanging out with a really crazy prophetic guy who kept shouting Ireland every five minutes. And uh, I was at that meeting, and it made me really mad because I was in a place where I was just kind of wondering, am I done? Like, it's been hard, it's been long, it's been costly. You know, they do customer service in America. It's great. <laughs> you know? They got cars big as bars, and there's rivers of gold, right? <laughs> You know, and it's been tough. And then I'm at, I took me on, just like they said, we delayed our holiday, we get in this room, crazy prophetic guy, he keeps shouting Ireland. I'm like, just shut up, man. Like, <laughs> I'm like throwing the net out as they're like Florida or something like that, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you know, and so we keep shouting Ireland and he's praying for us and loads of prophetic words about Ireland. And then I turn up in my hometown, sitting on the beach, alone, drinking a coffee. And I just thought, old orders are good orders. And he's not asking me to leave. He's asking me to stay. And he's asking me to go all in again. And he's asking for a yes again. So I gave it. And here we are. And what I want to ask you is will you be dressed and ready for service? Will you be ready for the master? Will give you give your full-throated, whole-hearted yes to him? for everything he wants to do in you, in your family, in your city, on this island. And some of you that means planting a church, some of you that means starting a business. Some of you that means uh, marching into the children's ministry next Sunday and going to whoever leads that and saying, I have been called to pass on the faith to the next generation. Where do I start? And I will bear weight. I won't for forget when I'm on the rota. I won't be sick. I'm going to bear weight. Others of, it, of you, it's to return to your family. God wants to do a work of renewal in your family, starting with you being present again. Some of you, it's simply 
turning up in worship and taking responsibility to be a worshiper. And not like if they play my favorite song or if the worship leader's jeans are skinny enough or whatever. <laughs> I'm going to worship. I'm going to show up and I'm going to worship. What is it for you? What is Jesus speaking to you about? 